Hello everybody and welcome to WTS 164. My name's Danny Morty. I am Graham Merrill Merrigan. How are you? Alright. Uh, I'm in much better form now than I was about two and a half hours ago, which is great. Oi. Merrill, uh, <sighs> if there's one thing I've discovered since moving to the metropolis of Port Leash, it's traffic. I can't stomach traffic. I can't stomach traffic that is caused by fucking idiots who don't know how to drive. Like, it should be a criminal offense. If you cause an accident, or if your car breaks down on a motorway, and you cause a tailback, it should be a criminal offense. You should have your license revoked. <laughs> you should be named and shamed. And you should have to take out a public advert in a national newspaper apologizing to the commuters of Ireland that you fucked up their evening. You sound like the uh, new Brazilian president. How very accurate that is. <laughs> heel, heel, heel. <laughs> um, yeah, man. No, just um, the, 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 not Yeah, I'm great. Like I'm actually, I'm actually in flying form. Other than I, I absolutely hate traffic and I hate the idiots who cause traffic. But other than that, I'm I'm grand and I'm I'm very content. And after speaking with our guest tonight, I have a very, I'm happy. I th- he's yeah. deadly like he's he's a, he's a gent uh, how are you Always Mero good. how are you all good yeah can't complain oh, that's nice. well, very, very subdued but okay grand yeah with all things considering last yeah. week obviously we missed the podcast because my great uncle passed away so that was sad I'm sorry for and, that uh, my old uncle Pat will be greatly missed um, so yeah other than that now um, getting yeah all good cool stuff cool stuff and uh, say there. <laughs> that's alright, that's alright. And of course, as this goes out, you and I shall be sitting comfortably at a rock concert, no less, Graham. Yes, we're going to U2 on Monday. On Monday night, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that because it means actually getting. We're going to see U2 and Bono the Pox. Bono the Pox, exactly, yeah. And you have your Bono as a Pox t shirt. And I have, <laughs> me, I have me shut up, Merrow hoodie. So it's going to be great. <laughs> With arrows pointing in each direction. Exactly, exactly. Uh, before before we get on to our fabulous guest this week, though, um, if if we can fan out for a moment or two, Mero. Yeah. Becky. Who are we going to fan? Becky Lynch yes. is arguably the hottest thing in the world right now in terms of in, wrestling. She's the hottest thing in years in wrestling. It this girl from Dublin is absolutely burning it up and it is amazing to see it's very entertaining it I'm is, actually I'm, just watching the show I'm actually just fast forward and seeking out orbits well this this one I was going to get to I think this is one of them where I would be amazed if she doesn't transcend wrestling a little bit here and that's kind of where I'm coming at this from because like I'd be quite casual in, in, in me wrestling fandom these days excuse me had a little bit of a repeat moment there because I didn't take Rennie today um, and, and like I'm sitting here and I'm like you've got a case where Ronda Rousey arguably at one point in time the most, female, most famous female on the planet I believe she was the most googled person in the world a couple of years that's ago that's right um, yeah that's right and and here's little old Rebecca Quinn from Dublin former guest of this podcast friend of the show and her and Ronda Rousey are about to start a little feud yeah in the Survivor, at the Survivor Series like I'm sorry, but I just I I absolutely love when I see that kind of thing because I'm like, do you know what, Mon Ireland. 
And she she posted a, a photo on her social media where it was, uh, she's obviously a champion on SmackDown and Ronda's obviously a champion on Raw. Yeah. And she he posted a photo of the two of them on their Survivor Series poster, and it was and she put the caption, "The baddest champ on the planet," and Ronda Rousey. <laughs> <laughs> I love as well that her uh, her thing is oh, hashtag, I'm the man. hashtag I'm the man. Yeah, in well, a, I don't know if you've seen this week's SmackDown. She had a T-shirt to I'm, I'm the man. Brilliant in a in a in a world where feminism is getting yeah. more and more prominent. Becky Lynch is down a hallway. And more power to her, man. More power to her. Absolutely, friend, absolutely. She's great. Friend of the show. <laughs> Couldn't happen to a nicer person. This is it. What do you say we just go straight to the guest? Because it was an hour of absolute, cr- just wonderful chat. And an education. Interesting with Brazil. Man, I was going to say, an education on Brazil, because I, I heard about the election over there, but in terms of its context and in terms of my knowledge of the wider yeah. picture, I didn't have one. Now I'm full certain South America is goosed. Absolutely. So without further ado, here is... Um, well, the most love-hate uh, journalist ever. <laughs> I mean, the man who courts controversy and makes mischief his mistress. The one and only Ewan McKenna. All right, lads. Our guest this week, he has come back to wreak havoc yet again and no doubt upset the fine folks at Twitter. Our favourite journalist, Ewan McKenna. How are you, man? Hung over. <laughs> <laughs> Very hung on a Wednesday. <laughs> you see, they taste better of a school night, don't they? You know, they do. They, there's often mornings here. I, I, I'd be sitting, and I kind of, you know, the way you kind of feel you should only drink at weekends. You kind of love yeah. to throw out that some Monday morning, like it's like ten o'clock and open the fridge, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> that's what you did that's, that's living the dream that is living the dream you're living in Brazil so did the Brazilian uh, presidential election drive you to drink the result uh, stupidly I went out and had a drink to watch it and it's a instant uh, result here like literally there's a 10 second countdown and then it flashes up so there's no count but I was in a bar and uh Obviously, Bolsonaro won, and guys in Brazilian soccer jerseys across the bar all started doing his famous... Um, he, put, he makes guns out of his fingers and points them, and they were taking selfies of themselves doing this while celebrating his victory. So I uh, I sculled my pint and left, because I thought, uh, if I stay too long watching these gimps, uh, <laughs> it won't end well. For people who uh, who aren't au fait and up to date with the going-on in Brazil... Give us a quick run through of who this guy is. He's been touted as the tropical Trump. Is that accurate? No, uh, he's far, far right of of even Trump. Um, when people ask me this, and I, I've read it to several people this week, and I I, I think it's important to repeat it. Uh, I, I'll give you. I, I translated sections of a speech um, he gave. Uh, week before the election to the Brazilian public and he said we will build a new nation only now the cleansing will be much wider 
Either the opposition leave or go to jail. These red outcasts will be banished from our homeland. And Lula da Silva, who's a former president, you're going to rot in jail. Wait for Haddad, who is the guy he beat in this presidential election, to go there too, since you love each other so much. You are going to rot in jail and are never going to have a chance in our homeland because I'm going to cut off all of your privileges. It will be a cleansing never seen before in Brazilian history. You will see proud armed forces, a civilian and a military police with legal backing to enforce the law against you. We do not want socialism. Uh, so that kind of sums them up. It's it's quite terrifying uh, because it's language I associate with the 1930s when you start using the word cleansing. Um, and it's funny the amount of people, oh, you can't say that. You can't equate it to the 1930s. And I keep saying, why not? Because if it walks like a duck, if it looks like a duck and it quacks, it's going to be a duck. This sounds like fascism. Uh, it's a promise of fascism so why can we not call it that um, and if that offends people tough shit quite frankly because we live in a time where this sort of stuff needs to be called out for what it really is he's a guy to get back to who he is he was in the military during the dictatorship here for more than 20 years up to, to 1985 or 86 i think that the dictatorship ended but he was a paratrooper became a politician a senator in 1991 and he's been a senator for 27 years and he was kind of seen as a joke figure for a lot of that, in that he was probably the most vile um, politician in Brazil, given the stuff he said over the years. And I'll, I'll run through them very quickly with you. We, he's, he's twice told a female congresswoman that she was too ugly to rape and wasn't deserving of his rape. What? Uh, Jesus. Yeah. He, um, he has said in a TV interview that gay children should be whipped uh, in order to make them straight. Uh, he has said if his own son was gay, it would be better off if he was killed. He has called black activists, or he's called um, black people here fat and lazy. He has said black activists should be in a zoo. He has called indigenous Brazilians leeches. He has called migrants the scum of the earth. He has threatened the press. Um, and it just go, it goes on like this. I mean, it, it's quite astounding. And I, I had a friend uh, here who was a journalist from Northern Ireland originally. He's back in London now, James Young, who did a piece with him a few years ago. He spent a day with him. Uh, I think it was for Rolling Stone. might have been Vice. One of them, anyhow. And the, the concept of the piece was basically this guy is the most outrageous, horrible person you can find in Brazil. But he was never really a threat because we have a big Senate here. He was just one politician in it. Yet a couple of years on, this man now takes rule. Uh, promising all this, whether he does it or not, we don't know. If he, he won't be in power until January, but we can only take the man on his word because either he enacts all these fascist policies or he's a liar, which is the lesser of two evils, I suppose. Jeez, so how that's all shocking stuff. How did he get the vote? Um, what was the margin he won by? Uh, 55 45. Uh, so comfortable. Um, he near he nearly won in the first uh, election where there was what ten twelve candidates. I think he got forty seven or forty eight percent on that. Uh, so he nearly won outright in the first round. Uh, won comfortably in the second round. Uh, won for a few reasons. Number one, Brazilians are fed up with corruption. Um, it's it's the most corrupt country you'll ever come across. Um, there was a, a, an investigation by the courts into corruption in Brazil a couple of years ago called Lava Jato, which translates as Operation Car Wash. Uh, and they found that two billion US dollars had been paid in bribes <laughs> out of the public purse. Um, the the centre-left were in charge for much of that, and, and a lot of them were corrupt. A lot of others in the right and in the centre were also corrupt. 
But the economy is crap the last couple of years. Inflation has gone as high as 11 12%. It's lower than that now. Employment is up around 13 14%. Um, it's been a really bad time. A lot of people having a bad time. And added into that, there is a crime epidemic here. We had 63,000 murders last year. So this what? was... Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's a kind of a de facto civil war when when you consider those numbers. But you and you and you and like, uh, look, I I know a toy isn't the greatest place in the world, man. But are you not tempted to go back? Like uh, there are elements I love here um, of it. There is a great, great culture in some parts here. Food is great. Drink is great. <laughs> restaurant culture is great. Sport is great here. A lot of great people, uh, and and there are elements I I, I absolutely adore. But it was within this perfect storm, I suppose, to answer your question, that um, that Bolsonaro came along and he did what a lot of despots on the right have done throughout history in that he whipped a lot of disillusioned people into a frenzy via lies and via picking on people in society who can't defend themselves and it gave them an outlet for their anger and they started believing this is the solution to all of this. Very similar again to the 1933 federal German elections where Hitler won, what, 46% or the Nazi party won 46%. Um, so that, that, it was the perfect storm he, 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 he took advantage of. And, and for me, it's kind of history repeating itself. 1929 was at the Wall Street crash. 1930s, Europe goes to the right. 2008, we had the last financial collapse. And now we're seeing a shift to the right. Not not to this extent everywhere. America hasn't gone this far right, but Trump is further right than they've ever gone. Seen it with PIS in Poland. We've seen it with, is it Orkan, the Hungarian leader? We've seen it in Italy. Elements in Sweden, Duterte in the Philippines, and now Bolsonaro here. So it, it's part of a, of a very right-wing swing. Um, and it, it's got to the stage where it, it's quite amazing when, when you quote a man saying very racist things and quote a man saying very homophobic things. People are now even saying back to me, stop being a snowflake or we're tired of your PC bullshit. In hell. I mean, when you say gay children should be whipped and people think that's just you being overly sensitive and politically correct, that's, that's quite a terrifying position we find ourselves in. Absolutely. Yeah. Jeez, we, thought we, we thought we had a bad here with Peter Casey. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, Casey's just an idiot, not particularly dangerous. He's just a guy who thought, I'll, I'll just throw out this line and win a few votes, but was never going to win more than a few votes. I mean, he was decimated in the election. 20% is nothing. Whereas the guy here wants to be an authoritarian leader. Um, he said in the past that democracy doesn't work, that we need to return to the dictatorship. He even said in an interview once, I think in the late 90s, he said the only mistake the dictatorship made in Brazil was they should have killed 30,000 more civilians. Um, he has his, his number two is a former army general. He's an army man. A lot of ex-army guys are kind of forming, or did in the run-up to the election, formed quite intimidating groups and bullied people on the streets and kind of forced, in, in a way similar to the brown shirts again, to go back to it. And the international media, not all of them, there's some bloody good journalists down here covering stuff and really putting their neck on the line. But a lot of international media stunned me uh, for two reasons. One, you had this trend uh, of, and a lot of American stuff, a lot of American scholars and stuff, and they've spent their time 
trying to say, well, this isn't actually fascism. It slightly deviates from it. And then they want to demonstrate knowledge by saying this is closer to some Peruvian philosopher in 1780. And this is more like this. And that's not really the point. I mean, if elements aren't quite in fitting with fascism, so be it. But he has said he wants to cleanse opponents. That's really what should be focused on. And then you had another strand of media, including the likes of the BBC, which, which amazed me, um, going around normalising this by doing interviews with people and saying, well, why are you voting for Bolsonaro? And as much as it's important to understand why people are voting for them, uh, the effect of this should really outrank the cause. And there wasn't enough time given to say, well, actually, do you know what? I don't care why you voted for him. This is hugely threatening to a lot of people uh, in, in terms of their well-being into the future. Yeah, I think one of the things that happens, though, is, and especially you, you see it a, a ton on everybody's favourite social media platform, Twitter, this whole thing of, oh, you're blocking free speech. You, oh, yeah, you don't want the right to have a say. You you, you little snowflake liberals. Blah, blah. And it's kind of like that whole thing of, like, free speech, yeah, go on, have at it. But you don't get entitlement to a platform. like And, and by the likes of BBC, a legitimate news organisation, giving these guys a platform, it, it's frightening like it's it's madness it, it, it is and i mean because voting comes voting is a right but it's also a responsibility free speech is a right but it also needs to be a responsibility mm. um if you go out and vote for fascism if you take to the streets and bully people and, and there's loads of instances in the run-up to the elections um i, I walked my wife to the polling booth because she's left-leaning and uh, a woman in Brazil, which isn't a great combination right now, because you have these groups of thugs hassling people. We've we've had one woman who was a journalist uh, approached at knife point as she was going to vote, and a guy told her that when their man takes power, all the press are going to die. We have the sister of a famous actress here who is uh, gay. She heard some guys screaming homophobia in the streets, and she approached them, and she got a slap in the face. Uh, we had a guy killed in a bar in the city of Salvador. Um, he was a martial artist, and he got killed for expressing his views. So, I mean, that, that there's a responsibility around who you vote for and what you say. And it's not okay to go out onto the street shouting these things. And, and a lot of people have even said to me, oh, but you're taking his quotes out of context. Well, what fucking context do you want me to put in a man saying a gay child should be whipped? What context would you like me to put his words into a camera where he said that black people are fat and lazy? And they're all, always trying to justify this, and, and it's just not good enough. You, you've, you've mentioned it a couple of times, and, and maybe shifting away from something that we're not done talking about, but I'm just interested in it purely from the the attacks on the media and the, the, the threats against journalists. We've seen a situation where we've had Trump saying... Uh, you know, that he was happy to see uh, a journalist from The Guardian be body slammed. We've obviously seen the, the Khashoggi, I'm probably not saying your man's name right, uh, situation with, yeah. <laughs> with, with, with Saudi Arabia. That that story is off the walls crazy. And then you've got situations like this where, you know, people are openly threatening journalists, threatening the media. Like, it's... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of lost for words with it, but you being a journalist, I'm just interested to pick your brain on it. You're a journalist in Brazil? Nowhere near the level of abuse that a lot of people are getting because I'm, I'm not relevant to the level of a lot of people. But even as a kind of a microcosm of it, since Trump and since these other people have started blaming the media for everything and it just becomes knee-jerk for people to scream fake news and everything, you do see it even around sports stories on social media that 
you're almost expected to sit there and be called the worst things by people because your profession is the lowest of the low. You are the scum of the earth. And this is a view that has been authorized by powerful people and normalized by the growth of it. Um, and it's, it's as if journalists are fair game for all the ills of the world. And when people read something they don't like, that's OK to abuse that person. Um, and social media has helped that along in a big way as well, because you kind of sometimes you yearn for the days where if someone had a problem with you, they'd have to approach you in a bar. Uh, now they hide behind pseudonyms and have goals and scream fake news. Uh, but they can't give any examples of what you said being fake. Um, and they it's almost like the Fox News effort of throwing enough shit in the hope that some of it will stick all in the name of deflecting from what the actual issue is. Yeah, yeah. What's his term in Brazil? Uh, you know? Sorry? What's the president, the new president's term? Uh, four years. Uh, but he can, but he's a guy, whether come four years time, whether he is taking complete charge uh, as as a dictator, we don't know because he has said in the past that's what's needed. He said in the past that democracy doesn't work. He said if he lost this election that all it would take was a colonel and a soldier to bring down the electoral court. And Brazil's institutions aren't very strong. They're relatively new. And I'm not sure if they can stand up to... His power, his ego, his plans, his populism, um, and there isn't the separation of power either from the judiciary, from politics. Is, is that him kicking off already in the background? Is it? <laughs> I got they locked me door. <laughs> <laughs> it it do, it's what's what's that Johnny's proverb? May we live in interesting times? I tell you, lads, things have not been much more fucking interesting in the last ten or twenty years. That's for certain. No, they're, they're, we're, we're going down a rabbit hole here. Um, and we're going down it with such ego that we think we'll be able to fix everything. Uh, the Roman Empire had the same idea, and it fell because of both moral and political corruption coming around at the same time. I look around and I see that now, and I also see the death of the planet happening all around us. Uh, and with the lungs of the Amazon here, as we try and combat climate change, will we wipe out two-thirds of wildlife in the last 44 years, as we found out this week? Yeah. Uh, Bolsonaro's plan around this, he doesn't believe in climate change, and he wants to fuse the Department of Agriculture with the Department of the Environment so he can uh, cut down chunks of the Amazon, which is getting the Americans very excited because uh, they want a piece of that pie. Uh, so it does have consequences for the rest of the world. And... Well, a lot of foreign leaders, and this the, the right are so well organized um, in a very grim way. Like a lot of Trump was straight onto the phone with them, praising him. Uh, the Italian deputy prime minister, another right winger, was on the phone uh, praising him. Uh, Marine Le Pen in France was on the phone praising him. No one is speaking out. Um, and there's what some level of culpability. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if they feel, well, we can't inter interfere in other people's democracy. Uh, I don't know if they want to wait and see what will happen, although to do that might be too late. Um, or I don't know if because of Brazil's natural resources from water to wood to oil, uh, there's a pretty penny to be made at the end of this. But in an Irish sense, I'm amazed Leo Varadkar and Simon... I'm not actually amazed. <laughs> I'm disappointed Leo Varadkar and Simon Coveney, for example, haven't said a word because to do nothing in these times uh, makes you slightly culpable. Uh, and there, there might well be a lot of blood, but there is going to be a lot of hands to put it on at the end of all this. 
the, his his attitude towards climate change in, in, in particular there like how is that like are the Brazilian public given the, the Amazon is kind of you know a, a massive massive um, you know carbon sink and that kind of thing is, is it a case that even the, the public have any sort of interest in climate change over there or you know are they just marching along in tow with what he's saying there are so many problems that doesn't even register I think with them uh, when you've such a societal divide when you've such violence when you've such a poor economy when you've such corruption uh, when you've such misery when you've such hate um, I, I, I don't think that registers and I don't think that's just a Brazilian thing either I mean I wouldn't expect most people in, in any country to really give a shit about trees that are thousands of miles away for a lot of Brazilians when your life is absolute crap yeah but it's mad it ran across the world where all these right-wing leaders are getting in and they're probably getting in uh, on the majority of a working-class vote. But they're not going to... Like, they won't help the working class. No, they won't. And it's kind of... It's got to the stage here where I think a lot of working-class people would say, well, the others didn't work, so let's give this a try. It can't be any worse, even though it very much can be. And it is a bit of a case of turkeys voting for Christmas. Um which is worrying. I mean, the economy here, the one thing that would, I suppose, separate Bolsonaro from a fascist stance is his economic outlook, which is to try and privatise everything. But we've seen in other countries, when you privatise natural resources, it's not like the drip-down effect helps everyone. Um, It's just carving up the planet a little finer amongst those who already have money. Um, And you can expect... American multinationals to be loving this and see a market of 200 million people and see these natural resources and see Petrobras, the the oil giant here, and to say, well, we can have some of that pie. Yeah. And you, did you follow the the Irish presidential uh, election? Uh, yeah, I looked in. I was fairly lowbrow stuff now. There seems to be a bit of criticism to uh, our Irish-based journalists um, in relation to the treat. Uh, I suppose the coverage of, of Peter Casey. What what would you make of that? I I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have listened to him closely enough. I mean, what what was the grounds of the criticism? If if you could fill me in. Well, I suppose it was it, his comments that he sparked outrage were in relation to travellers and um, mm-hmm. welfare 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 recipients, and it kind of let's say it sparked on a Tuesday. And they were still talking about a Thursday, Friday. The tabloid papers were still covering it in the front pages, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right up until the election. And now, as he went from 1% to 20%, um, there's just calls I see on Twitter from other type journalists kind of saying, you know, journalists have an obligation not to give this, not, not, they, they're not saying not, not to cover it, but they were saying question his opinions because the facts will, Kind of d- diminish his opinion. Do you know that way? They weren't. Yeah, really I do. Yeah. Well, and then we had. Well, I suppose it's, 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 it's quite. We've seen in America what happens when that happens. I mean, when when Trump was running against Clinton, it was wall to wall coverage of this outrageous lunatic who can never win. Uh, there was very little of her, unless it was the direct debate between them. Uh, everything he did was covered uh, like a blanket, I suppose, uh, because they just thought this will improve ratings and what they helped do was catastrophic in a way and that it pushed them over the top because people became so familiar with them in, 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 in some senses. Um, so, so there is, and I mean, and if you are going to cover 
things like Casey said, and I would say you have to cover it in the most withering terms. Um, because while there are problems in the Irish travelling community, uh, and there are problems in every community, and there are problems with some travellers, just as there are problems with, with all sorts of people, um, when you start using a totality term and saying the travelling community do this, the travelling community do that, uh, that's whipping up hatred around what is legally an ethnic group, um, I, I think under Irish law. Uh, when, when you start doing that, it is racism and it needs to be called out in that because when you start letting your morality drop a little bit, what we're seeing is give an inch, take a mile. Well, that was that, that was one of the things he was saying as well, was that he doesn't believe they are um, an ethnic group. And like, like I, I completely agree with what you were saying there regarding kind of the similarities to Trump in that, you know, if you, if you look back at that campaign and you ask people, name kind of, you know, two or three of either Hillary's policies or, or Hillary's ideas, people can't. But you say to Trump and Trump was build a wall lock Hillary up, you know, all these kind of things, like you were saying, that's insane. Exactly, those things that, like, they were quick, punchy, they stuck, and it didn't matter how close to the truth or how realistic they were, they stuck, and and it resonated with a certain audience. Casey, again, as you pointed out, it's the same thing, like, and, you know... Well, if you repeat repeat a lie often enough, people we know will start to believe it, and and that's what happens with that blanket coverage. That if people, it's it's not up to him to. It's funny those people. A lot of people are on to me about about his remarks about travellers, and they're oh they're criminals, they're criminals, they're criminals. We have to uphold the law. Well, some of them are criminals, but some of every group are criminals. Yeah. But but the hypocrisy of people saying we have to uphold the law, but then refusing to acknowledge under Irish law that they are an ethnic group. Um, <laughs> you can't pick and choose yeah. your laws. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I, th- I just thought it was, um, I thought be- because it's gas because we were talking about the, the Brazilian presidency where when he comes into power, he'll actually have power. In our presidency, it's just purely s- ceremonial. So it was disappointing to watch some of the debates, um, particularly with Pat Kenny, um, where Pat Kenny questioned, um, he, he, he was, I think Pat Kenny is usually actually very good um, in these kind of uh, matters. But he wasn't questioning them on what they wanted to do. It was more so questioning them on Peter Casey's comments. So we did a round table and he went to them all and says, uh, would you let travellers live beside you? And I just thought, this has got nothing to do with the presidential campaign. Like this has got nothing to do with being president of Ireland. What does this question mean? It's kind of part of a trend in media of giving people what they want rather than what they need. Um, which I suppose feeds into the clickbait thing. Although I'll always say I'll forgive Pat Kenny on anything after his uh, his his question to Sean Gallagher in the last presidential election, <laughs> yeah. where he uh, what was it? He said, "Yeah, he said you claim to be an entrepreneur and you uh, you employ what four people." He said, "If you were in America and go, went around saying you were an entrepreneur, they'd laugh at you." <laughs> and he still came back. <laughs> of all the things in this election, my, the the good thing to come out of it was that Sean Gallagher has no reason to ever try and run for public office again. <laughs> it may not stop him. Uh, surely Ray Newell will will come in. Those those. Uh, well, there's talk of uh, Renewa approaching Casey to take on the leadership. He said no, though. 
Did he say no? Did he? I hadn't seen that. <laughs> First intelligent that. thing I've heard him do. I don't know why anyone <laughs> with the barge pole, quite frankly. Um, Once to join Fianna Fáil and then they the said election, the, the other good thing in the Irish election, I'd say, was that at least, and it might creep in, it hasn't, but at least in this time of anger and uncertainty and all of that, that the void was not filled by that much hatred or that much racism or a far-right candidate. Um, to hear people go on after Casey's 20% vote, you'd actually think he won. He got absolutely annihilated. Yeah. Uh, his vote was almost irrelevant. It was so small. Um, so to see that kind of, those right-wing ideals quelled so quickly and so brutally was a very nice thing to see. Um, we'll, we'll shift gear a little bit and... Um We'll talk a little bit about arguably the the best in the world, the goat Ronaldo. Um, you were at a press conference in Las Vegas that would have given Ronaldo a little bit of a headache. <coughs> well, uh, slightly. Yeah. <laughs> Give us a rundown of what's happening. Well, there's there's a woman in America, Catherine Miorga, who claims uh, she was raped um by Ronaldo in Las Vegas was it I think it was in 2009 um she went had a rape kit done that night she went to the police and it seemed they tried to dissuade her from reporting it uh and this all went away then for a long time because she signed a non-disclosure agreement and took one week's of Ronaldo's Real Madrid wages which I think is around 350,000 US dollars um but it's resurfaced, uh, and she's taking him in a civil case. The police are looking at the case again. Um, and Der Spiegel, the German paper, have done quite incredible work around this. Um, indeed, they have documents they claim um, showing Ronaldo to admit his guilt, basically, in all of this. He says those documents are fake. Um, they're about they're an email exchange between him and a law firm where he basically admits to her saying no, 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 but he says he was nice to her afterwards. And if they are real, then he's guilty. If they're not real, he may not be guilty. We won't know. But the language around this, we can already talk about um, because it's been pretty disgusting, and I don't use that word lightly. We've had Juventus come out and talk about Ronaldo being a model professional and a champion, as if those traits among athletes mean they're not rapists. Um, we've had his new lawyer come out and attack the fact that a lot of women report rape in America as if that's the problem, not the actual act of rape. And we've had Ronaldo himself come out and call it fake news, which is a baffling line to rob from a misogynist who may have abused women himself uh, in Donald Trump, uh, according to his own words. So we don't know if he's not guilty, innocent until proven guilty, all of that. But the way they've tried to make this story go away is is bothersome. And also it leads to the issue of how there is a different jeopardy for the wealthy who can basically pay away um, their crimes uh, with non-disclosure agreements, which should be illegal because you want to get to the bottom of these. You shouldn't be able to pay your way out of a crime. If you did it, you're guilty. If you didn't, you're innocent. There shouldn't be a middle ground. Uh, what made this woman come, come out now, uh, Young? Uh, she's been talking with Der Spiegel, and, and I, I suppose it's it's the climate of everything that's happening. It, it's the Me Too movement. It's that odious Brett Kavanaugh in America, who, yeah. guilty or not, just came across as, a, as an idiot, and, and, and how he ever got to the rank of 
judiciary that he was at even before being appointed as our Supreme Court baffles me. Um, but but it, but it's all of that. I, I think it's the entire climate uh, around it. I think it's obviously playing on her conscience. I can't speak for her, but she has said it, it's been a horrible time for her. Um, and, I, and she said, I suppose, seeing Ronaldo do so well, if he did what she said he did, um, that must be very tough mentally on her. So, so I'd imagine that sort of stuff caused her to come forward. With with the whole Me Too movement, and and you mentioned Brett Kavanaugh there, and that's probably uh, that that whole situation was something that I don't think I've seen as much, you know, piss and vinegar thrown on social media um, in a long time. But a lot of blokes are using the whole kind of oh just one false allegation can ruin your life and i think they're missing the picture i think they're missing i think they're missing a big big slice of the pie here and um, so it's quite interesting to see similar things with people defending ronaldo and as i said innocent until proven guilty and all that but th- there's at least questions that need to be answered and that their spiegel stuff is uh I'd be worried about it. Like if 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 I was connected to Ronaldo, if I was Juventus, I'd be very worried about it. I suppose it's it's not helped along, um, because one allegation can ruin you in a lot of ways, unfortunately. Um, and if you didn't do something, it it must be a horrendous thing. I, I I think back to the Ulster rugby trial with with Paddy Jackson and those guys, whose whose tweets showed them up as being particularly vile individuals. But a court turned around and said they are not guilty, yet Ulster rugby still got rid of them. So when you see guys' careers at a, a sporting club like that terminated, despite the fact there was no guilt according to a court of law, that is bothersome because that does then start to ruin careers when a jury said you didn't do something. Um, so so it, it's really complex on, on that side. I, ideally, what you get is a trial... And if you're cleared, that's fine. People accept that and they forget about it. Only they don't. Um, and, th- and that doesn't happen. So I, I do get both sides of it. Yeah. I, I think, the, and, and the, the Paddy Jackson-Stuart Holding um, trial is a good example to bring up because I suppose it's one that's still fresh enough in people's heads and it's one that kind of every detail of that was essentially played out in the public eye. And... Yeah, well, they were found innocent um, by a jury. The details that came out in the court case, I think, is ultimately what led people to, you know... The uproar. Yeah, and the, the I believe our hashtag and that kind of thing. I mean, there was even the situation with, with, with Rory Best in where, you know, not my captain. I can't remember what Six Nations mm-hmm. match it was, but that, that was trending because he he was in the courthouse during the week and... Um, that's right. And the day she testified, actually, he, he was yeah. there, which was... But I suppose what I would say, and again, I, I would reiterate those WhatsApp messages were vile. Yeah. But I would also say they're probably not that unusual. Um, and I, I think if you would delve into most people's private conversations and whatnot, there wouldn't be a lot of people in work. Um, I, I'm looking at the reaction to Dan Rowan of the BBC, a, a really good journalist who made an off-the-cuff remark uh, at, at Leicester City that was picked up he was responding to an innuendo and there are now petitions for him to be removed from his job which frankly is bullshit um what what people say in private if it's not illegal if it's not racist if it's not homophobic 
Um, I don't know if you should go around sacking people for, for for that, and we often don't know the context around people's private conversations. What, what is there is there an argument to be made though that especially and and if we use the example of a sports star, who you know people would argue have a duty as a role model as somebody who is seen as upholding the morals of you know club and country with the WhatsApp messages, you know, like like things that were said and that fly completely in the face of the morals of their employer you know there's an argument to be made then that they're not living or they're not um, acting private or not the details got leaked and as a result they were only only leaked because of a court case that found them innocent (laughs) which which is fair but at the same time you know it it still came out it's still still there and I suppose Ulster Rugby as the, the the employer at that point probably had a, a decision. Now I think their decision was probably influenced more so by the IRFU, but I just think it's 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 kind of one of those things where the the context of what was going on, and if I'm if I'm not mistaken as well, there was a huge thing around women's rugby at the time because they, they yeah they were the most. they hadn't been given a coach or a full time coach or, that's or right, something that's like right. that as yeah, well. That's so right. yeah. the, the the symbolism of everything that was going on, I think at that time. Uh, con- context is everything, as they say, and I think that it was a, a shit show for the RFU, absolute shit yeah, show. Exactly, yeah. and then yeah, the monster as well. I, I suppose, though, I mean, it has to be quite clear cut in that is it in their contracts that in private you can't talk about sex? Um, <laughs> I mean, if that's the case, where do you draw the line? What's okay and what's not okay? Um, if you didn't do something illegal which a court said they didn't and you talk about a gangbang you had the previous night in private and that is leaked due to a court case where you're found innocent does that cross a line i mean it's quite complex in terms of the role models i've heard as bad and far worse than that i can tell you a player in the world cup this summer who when playing in england uh was at a party in a friend's house and he demanded a woman give him a blowjob in front of the entire room and she refused, so he spat in her face. Um, I could tell you about gangbangs in GAA. I could tell you about rugby players who have done things and haven't been sacked, despite the fact videos were leaked and everything else. Um, I, I don't know why anyone would look up to sports people as role models, quite frankly. Uh, it, it baffles me. I, like, I, I care, like... Brazilian footballers to go back to Ronald Gino, Lucas Moura, um, come out and say, "Oh, we, we're voting Bolsonaro." I don't really give a shit who Ronald Gino is voting. Why that would influence anyone's political decision is worrisome because he's good at kicking a ball, but he's clearly not the brightest fellow in the world. Therefore, we should listen to what he says around voting. Um, I, I wouldn't. I just. I don't. I don't get the idea of looking up to sports people as role models. I don't think it's fair on them. And I, I don't think it's a very intelligent thing to do. It's something, and I know he's not your best friend in the world, Ewan, uh, but it's something Conor McGregor has always been very uncomfortable with, uncomfortable with being kind of uh, labelled a, a role model. Yeah, that's that, that's fair enough. Um, I, I, I don't think, I'm not defending him for what he says with that, because I when you're in public and you say some of the things he has said, it's quite vile and repulsive, regardless of whether you're a role model or not. Um, but yeah, I mean, because you're good at a sport, because you're a good athlete, you never asked to be a role model with that. Granted, you shouldn't abuse that platform, but yeah, I mean, 
say you're good at kicking the ball, say you're a kid from a poor area who works your ass off to be very good at a sport and makes a lot of money doing it, why should you be a moral leader because other people think you should be? I know, you know, I agree. And especially now in this era, because, I mean, we're running out of kind of sports role models with... Yeah, it's not exactly the uh, the the John Carlos era. It's not exactly the Muhammad Ali era. It's not a lot of leadership shown by those in in, in sport. But I suppose sport mirrors society. Um, and when you go back to, to to the Mexico City Olympics, when you go back to the Vietnam War, I suppose some sports people just mirrored uh, a more general anger and protest about the way the world was going. Right now, a lot of sports people are also mirroring the troublesome path we are taking and, and it's just a microcosm of that society why do you think sports people are, are afraid to get involved in social issues because uh, they're people and they're half a million pound per week well you can't really win um in such a divided society as now uh you look at colin kaepernick taking a stance and for all those that support him look at the abuse he gets you look at james mclean not wanting to fund a poppy movement that has been hijacked to actually fund a war machine rather than honor the dead of the past instead it wants to replicate that past um and look at the abuse he gets um that if if you have a view on a social issue you may not want to come out and and especially in an era of so much sanitized marketing and and everything is so slick and everything has to be neutral and beige and nike don't want you saying this and and adidas don't want you saying that um that's so for those with views they're probably worried by that um a lot more probably just don't give a shit <laughs> about a lot of things they 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 play their game they go to training they have their fast, fast cars good looking wife they don't care i think uh the, the the poppy one I remember I, I seen you tweet and this is the only reason I'm bringing it up that you're struggling to understand why it makes the news every year every year it's the same and every year it's James McLean refuses to wear poppy and it's kind of uh, what, what's the news story here lads um, uh, are either you well, surprised that more players don't wear it uh, probably not because they've seen what happens to McLean and they don't feel as strongly about it um, or they may not even be aware of it but it is a culture of poppy fascism in England where you're abused if you if, if, if you don't wear it I mean and as if I suppose it goes back to it's almost this American culture that has creeped into Britain. You see the military on the field before far too many games. Yeah. Uh, I know outside of Stoke City being the Britannia Stadium, they have enrollment tents there to, to, to use this as a way to enforce their military. You, you hear all this nonsense talk about heroes uh, in, in, in Britain now as well, as if a lad who goes to Iraq presses a button on a machine and blows up a bunch of children 100 miles away as a hero. Um, and, and even when I was in America recently for the McGregor fight and the Ronaldo stuff, like it's quite remarkable the amount of people who seem to mimic that military ideal. Like there was a, a lad cleaning the jacks in, in a gym I was in there and like he had a walkie talkie and he was Roger this and Roger that. And he kind of had the, the, the shirt tucked in and he had a badge and he had it like it, it it's this military <laughs> ideal. And, 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 like I, I, I decided to amuse myself once and I went up to a, a bouncer in a bar on my way out and I said to him, thank you for your service. <laughs> and uh, it's literally reached the stage where he kind of said, thank you, sir. 
like they can't even it's just become so ingrained in culture this idea that we have to respect the military no matter what and their heroes that people can't see any sarcasm in it it's just brainwashed yeah it's the, the, that the, is the, the military thing in America and this uh, and as I said the, the creep it has into what our culture is like this whole cult of personality and cult of the flag thing is something that I don't think I'll ever be comfortable with like America is insane it's a basket case and it, a lot of their problems I think are rooted in that cult that surrounds their flag like it reminds me of the, the Bill Hicks line uh talking to a fella and the guy said my daddy died for that flag and Hicks turns around to him and he goes I bought mine in Walmart for two dollars <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh, oh, oh yeah just to go back to the oh yeah I'm surprised that other player, other Irish players haven't followed McLean I think maybe Shane Duffy I thought would have been following him I don't know like I mean yeah I, I, I'm surprised that like now Argentinian yeah I was going to say I'm surprised that now Argentinian player has kind of balked at it to be honest with you yeah it's it's how you view what it represents are you viewing what it originally represents which was the the dead on on, on the poppy fields of of Flanders Mm. or are you aware that this is actually being used to fundraise for people who are still involved in wars. It, it's not an anti-war movement anymore. It's not saying this is how terrible war can be. It's it, it's kind of completing the circle almost. And I, I suppose to, to go against it would involve morality over money. It would involve a loss of sponsorship. It would involve hassle. And not a lot of people put morality over money anymore. Graham Merrigan definitely doesn't. You should see the stuff he gets up. <laughs> 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 yeah, where are we? With, where are we with doping in sport these days? We're we getting worse, aren't we? Uh, well, they're all, it's it's human nature. I I've, I won't reveal his identity, but you know, fuck the hypocrisy on uh, Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I've had many a conversation with him, and he's slowly winning me over to the idea that we should just legalize it. And I've been thinking about this. <laughs> in that, it won't really change anything. Um, People are doing it anyway, the, and I, I kind of go, well, it, it's engineering then, and the best pe- the people with more money will get better drugs and be better. But that's already the case. Well, that so I'm not really sure it would change anyway. anything. I mean, WADA is just a PR arm of the uh, the IOC. They they do nothing. Um, it's human nature to cheat and to get ahead. From if you're a kid playing Monopoly and your mate goes to the toilet, you're going to sneak on a hotel on the Talbot Street or something. Um, <laughs> You, you, you edge ahead at the start of a school race before the gun goes off. You write off as much tax as you can. You break the speed limit by a couple of miles if there's no speed cameras. It, it is absolutely human nature to cheat. I thought you were, it, thought you were speaking directly to Merlo about that tax bit there. <laughs> I, I've been talking to friends about it as well, particularly, specifically about... Um, MMA fighters in the UFC because any time the big star gets caught since USADA came on board and started testing UFC fighters, um, they seem to be just getting off on a technicality all the time. Well, and USADA is, is a is a fascinating case. If you, you USADA are full of shit. <laughs> Travis Tiger is full of shit. Uh, he, he's a guy. I, I talked to Floyd Landis about him. I mean, when Floyd handed him over all the stuff to bust open cycling, he said this cannot just be about going after Lance. 
to grow your name and your ego. It has to be about everyone. What did Landis, or what did Tiger do? Tiger runs away and goes after um, and just goes after Lance to grow his own name as some great anti-doping champion. You said a like there's there's a couple like you said are a for-profit organization. They're not affiliated to anything. You pay them. They make profit and they do the tests. And we've seen in boxing, um, for example, if you pay them more, they do fewer tests than their cheaper companies like VADA, who offer a more thorough testing. But some sports don't want thorough testing. Boxing hasn't wanted thorough testing. They've overlooked Floyd Mayweather. They've look at look at Canelo being back. Um, uh, this is, I suppose, this is the thing that, that bothers me with people going, oh, how are Russia back? How, how have they been allowed into some sports? That they're a disgrace. Yeah, that was state-sponsored doping. But what countries like Britain um, and America and many more, all they've done is privatise their doping. Um, <laughs> in, in the same way they've privatised out society. It's capitalist doping versus former communist doping. Um, th- they're all at it. And, I mean, people getting all hot and bothered about... Um, hot and bothered about about Russia. I mean, have, have they cared about the Nike Argon project and all we know about what goes on up there? Have, did they care about Balco? Do they care about what we know about Jamaica when it went through its greatest year, era of sprinting that they weren't actually testing anyone? Uh, <laughs> Renee, Do they care how Britain got to the second best country in the world in the Olympic medal table? And what we know now about their cycling, what we know about Mo Farah's inconsistency. Hang on, um, hang on, hang on, hang on. Are you questioning marginal gain? <laughs> well, I was only reading a report that came out today. I think the um, one of the the Parliament's Digital Culture, Media and Sports Select Committee uh, came to the conclusion that Sky, I think let me read the report here, cynically abused the anti-doping system to allow the administration... <laughs> performance-enhancing drugs. That's via The Guardian right now. Um, so it's a, what we all knew was official, and yeah. all those knuckle-draggers are gone back into the woods that would abuse you for questioning Team Sky over the years because they didn't want to hear the truth. No sign of them tonight. No, I, it's yeah. mad. The, the, Jamaica, the Jamaica... Well, Paul Howard told us about that Jamaica thing a couple of years ago, and I was kind of going, what? I could not believe that. Yeah, and Renee Ann Shirley is a very brave woman. She was, I think she was chairperson of JADCO, the Jamaican Anti-Doping Authority, and she quit and came out and said, we're not doing our job. Uh, and this is coinciding with this golden era of, uh, of of doping here. She had threats made against her in the media. Her family, for example, didn't want her to go to a conference in London because they thought she might be killed. <laughs> um, and, and so, and this, you know, we do this too. Every country does this, and, and we, we can get all high and mighty about, oh, well, others do this and point it out. We're very bad at doing it in Ireland as well, that when you accuse someone or when you look at the facts around someone and go, this doesn't look right, uh, it seems that the colour of your passport is all that matters. It, it's not <laughs> the fact that they're cheating that might be the problem. It's the fact that you're saying it. Um, and we've, we, Our name is mud when it comes to doping. Um, I remember doing a piece around 2007 or 2008 in the Tribune. 2007 it would have been, I think. And it was, it was something like the medals we've lost or had questioned at Olympics and the athletes we've had failed tests and be banned. If we had the population of China, it would amount to the Chinese losing 3,000 medals in the Olympic Games. Um, that's how bad for a small country. I mean, look at go back to Michelle. And I know you, oh, you can't, those medals were clean. Look at Michelle then after the Olympics <laughs> to, to cover it legally. Um, look at Key and O'Connor. Uh, go back to go back to go back to our cyclists. I mean, we don't have a good name. 
Um, and and yet we refuse to call it out. We're great people at calling out the Brits. Uh, we're great people at calling out the Russians. But I would say look a little closer to home. Um, and not even the long past. I would suggest looking at achievements more recently as well, put it that way. And I'm putting it that way because I had a legal letter recently. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, because I, I, I find with any of the recent success, I can't really kind of celebrate it. It's, it's kind of, I'm, I'm just a cynic now. Like. I think it's a healthy cynicism and it's, I, I was thinking the other day when you're massively cynical about sport in the world and sport in the world proves you to be right. It's kind of a grim reality. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't he, think there's he, any, I don't think there's anything uh, or any such thing as a clean sport. I, how many players were at the World Cup and how many positive tests were there? And what are the chances of it being zero in reality like? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and people, again, and rightly pointed to Russia because what we knew came out of the Moscow lab and claims made by whistleblowers around football. Hmm. But they were very selective. They, they refused to talk about all the stars that played in Spain during Operación Puerto. Um, they refused to acknowledge the fact that Dr. Fuentes allegedly told a cellmate that if the truth came out, uh, Spain would have to give back the World Cup title. Uh, they ignore the fact that he claims he worked for Real Madrid, for Barcelona, for Sevilla, for Real Sociedad, who admitted he worked for them, um, and doped these people. And we ignore, ignore the fact that the Spanish authorities uh, initially wanted to destroy all the blood bags um, so we'd never find out, even though he said he'd identify every one of them and we'll know who the soccer players are uh, and the tennis players and the athletes. We only found out the cyclists. And they allowed the statue of limitations to run out. So when those blood bags are in a fridge somewhere, we're never legally allowed to find out which players they belong to, likely because soccer is too valuable to the Spanish economy. Spanish football, Barcelona, drugs cheating. I don't know about you, lads, but that sounds messy to me. Um, things, oh. things are, take, take from that what you will things, you and Ed, you, go, on, go on go on go on I was going to say uh, you were saying there fuck the hypocrisy Twitter has kind of talked them round to just letting everyone use pads do you think you'd be able to talk Paul Kimmage around you no <laughs> <laughs> no I, I, can, I can tell you for a fact I wouldn't be able I don't think I'd be able to talk Paul Kimmage around on anything he has a view on <laughs> I'm not that convincing. Not hilarious because he, he he was a uh, he tweeted earlier on about I think it was Munster rugby and steroids. It was a very funny tweet because I hadn't tweet I hadn't seen him tweet in a while and it was I saw just a, I thought it was about their jersey change and these people believing anything. Uh, I I I did see it. Um, and he's right. We are a bunch of hypocrites. We're absolutely a bunch of hypocrites. We'll support it. And even with the the, the rice thing, which isn't to pay for England, people will bemoan that, that he chooses, he picks and chooses which country he wants to play with. And at the weekend, they'll cheer on Quinn Roo and Bundy Aki, who chose to play for whatever country they wanted, even though they have fewer links to this country than Declan uh, than Rice has with, with England. You and we're getting on so well. Be careful, will you? <laughs> well, I have to get on with <laughs> we were talking about the different colour jerseys and uh, Kimmage tweeted truth is they could run out uh, they could run on out with the syringes strapped to their arms and these fuckwits would still stare <laughs> <laughs> yeah for, uh, the abuse Paul Kimmage got from Munster fans over calling again the truth around Gobbler and, and, and all of that and the way they expected to get away with this 
Um, and I, I, I know Paul, and I have endless admiration for Paul. And I, I even see in him just his, frust- his frustration with the whole shit show. It comes out and people, why are you so angry, Paul? Well, I, well, I'd ask, why aren't they angry? Look around. Who's who's on top of the shit show hit list? Is is Dublin GAA still on the top? Oh no! I'll wait till they win their seventeenth All Ireland in a row, and lads are telling me that money can't kick a ball over the bar while dismissing the entire multi-billion-dollar industry of sports science and coaching that every professional sports team on earth gives. Uh, who's top of my I don't know. It's it, it's crowded up there. <laughs> Mo Farah, Mo Farah is still there. Yes. Yes. It pisses me off endlessly. And Paula Radcliffe. Oh, yeah, Paula. Yeah, Paula Radcliffe's yeah. another one. Yeah, yeah. And she called me obtuse on the BBC once. I've still no idea what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and you've been called worse, you. I've been called worse, much worse. Not by Paula, thankfully. What What's the answer to Dublin GAA? You split. And I hate saying that because I grew up as a Kildare man and I loved playing Dublin. We rarely won, but it was such an occasion and it was city against country and they were intimidating and they were bloody good and the atmosphere was amazing and the history was there. and There's so much good about Dublin GEA. Um, but when you've a place that has that population, when you have a place, the game has gone semi-professional that has that money, when players there don't have to travel because it's the economic hub of Ireland, um, when they have the playing population, when they have the sponsorship, when they have the government backing, when they have the GEA backing based on the numbers of people playing there and the potential number of players there, and you add in the fact that demographics means the population of Dublin is going to grow faster than anywhere else, um, there's no other option. You can't have one semi-professional team with a third of the Irish population in a few years while the rest of the Irish population is split between 31 teams who have no money whose fans are losing interest uh, whose players are losing interest because they know they can't win Um, and the GEA will eventually realise that uh, as it hits them in the pocket Uh, attendances for Dublin games and for games in general are falling for a very obvious reason Uh, Dublin didn't sell out a game all year until the All-Ireland final in fact I think there was only 55,000 there for the All-Ireland semi-final because even their board of predictability and sport is entertaining because of unpredictability Uh, it's entertaining because you have to have a hope you have to believe in miracles Uh, and that, that miracle went away some time ago yeah I I find it hard to argue, and I'm I'm not a GAA lover by any uh, stretch of the imagination. But at the same time, looking at it from the outside in, almost it does seem insane that Dublin essentially has a monopoly on everything. Like everything, it, yeah, everything. Like, their, their sponsorship, their partners in in terms of of sponsorship that saves them money. Their GAA funding for fifteen years has dwarfed everyone else. And there, there's a problem in that those who defend that funding will turn around and say, well, look at the potential population. It needs that money. And that's fair enough. But if you want to talk about the money of a province, the sponsorship of a province, the potential playing population of a province, then you field teams like a province. The flip side of that was they'll say, well, we only have is it 35,000 registered players, which is still the most in the country. They'll say, but that's not that much more than everyone else. Um and that would have been a fine argument if they'd said that when they started getting the money and that why are we getting so much more money per registered player? Give it back. They didn't do that. And 15 years of this has brought us 
uh, into a cul-de-sac, sadly. Um, splitting Dublin, it's tragic, but inevitable. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a, a fair note to end on as well, because we've taken up a lot of your evening, and I'm fairly certain Tropical Trump is outside your door waiting on you. So, yeah. might be I wonder if he have cans with him <laughs> don't do it if don't you, do it it's a skill night a few cures huh yeah oh dear thanks so much again for your time it's always great talking to you it, it is it's always a pleasure it's, it's always a pleasure yeah, if, if, if people want to uh, get a little I'm bit more on. you and McKenna in their life where can they get you uh Twitter, Sunday Business Post, Irish Independent, and Pundit Arena. Tremendous. Ewan, as always, thanks for being a man. Really appreciate you joining us. Enjoyed it, lads. Thank thanks, Emil. And take care. Well do. Ewan McKenna, as always, uh, no matter where he goes, he steals the show. He's, he's, he's brilliant. Like, he's... I love uh, chatting to him, and, but at the same time, I forget my job and I forget to ask questions because I'm just listening to him. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that's anybody who listens to this podcast regularly will, will know that you and I have a tendency to forget that we're supposed to be hosting a podcast and not just listening <laughs> to an insanely interesting individual talk. Because what happens yeah. what, what happens is we're guilty of it so often that like we'll just be hooked on listening to this person that we'll forget when they finish talking, we're supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> like, there was a couple of silence there where me and you were like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, yeah, there was a little because I was just like, "Jesus, yeah, I, I either agree with everything he said there, or I am just dumbfounded by what he said there." But um, yeah, man, Brazil seems like a bit of a mad kip at the moment, doesn't it? Mental sixty-three thousand murders last year. What the? F- how is that even possible? Year like, like it's madness. And then the whole thing of like per capita of Ireland. Had the same population as China. 3,000 medals in the Olympics would have been given back. Didn't know that. Look, lads, I know you, you can love Ireland all you want. And just, you know, an hour ago I was saying, come on, Ireland, about Becky Lynch. But, <laughs> lads, I, She's not juiced, no. I was going to say, I was going to I, I think we have a drug problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The, 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 I, remember, I know Paul Howard told this years ago, but just talking about it again... During Jamaica's uh, running success yeah. and, and track and field, and they were never tested. You saying Bolt has never been tested? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah well, in that era, it's very, very shady. The whole Usain Bolt thing, and for legal reasons, I have to say, he has never tested positive and has never failed a drug That's, test. Yeah. Um, and all of his, all of his records and all of his medals are upstanding and perfectly fine. <laughs> That said, that said, That's it just it just so happens that a number of his Jamaican teammates did test positive, and somehow, the fastest man on the planet, breaking record after record after record, has been clean. He's a medical marvel, Mero. That's the only possible solution to this. Yeah, fair play. But now he's playing football. Yeah, he is. Yeah, because that makes sense. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> It is, and like some of the stuff he was saying there as well about, you know, uh, Spain's questionable past. So, like, look, look. People don't want to know, though, because it's, no. is it a case of people don't want to know because it's just too much and it's like, like it happens all the time, fact that, ah, uh, no, they can't. Like, what is it? 
People don't want to know, Graham, because people don't want to pull back the curtain and see what's on the other side. If, yeah, if, but there's a lot of money involved. It's all cuteness, isn't it? Yeah, well, people yeah, from, from, from that element of it. But you see, it's not just that. It's it's the general public does not want... To, I've had, on this podcast in the past, I have outrightly said, I believe Lionel Messi is a drugs G. Mm. And I've said it countless times. And every time I say it on Twitter, there are a certain brigade of people who will come at me and be like, rabble, 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 rabble. Rab, rab. And I'm like... All right then, that's what you think. Fair enough. You're ignoring facts. You're ignoring like documented proof, and you're ignoring just the sheer magnitude of what had to be done in order to make Messi the player that he is. Mm. If you scratch beneath the surface of football, you start to see a very, very ugly truth. And there is no think football is the most popular sport on the planet. How many professional athletes are there in the world of football? And you're telling me all of these superstars, every single one of them, manages to be clean week in, week out. Yeah, but people Come don't off. care because um, it's about kicking a ball and there's no real advantage and stuff like well, that. Well, Do you know that, what I mean? That's nonsense. That's, I've had that argument with people as well. That's nonsense. When it comes to... Recovery, when it comes to fitness, when it comes to speed, stamina, all these things that give an advantage. The Leicester City were, were one that were touted as their Premier League triumph being questionable. Yeah. And, and the, was it Greece 04 as well being another one? Yeah, yeah. You know, all these kind of underdog one-offs, you need to look at a little bit deeper. But on top of that, I think you always, always, always need to look at teams that somehow score in the last 10 and 15 minutes of a match and seem like they have so much more in the tank than other teams in the last 10 and 15 minutes of a match. Yes, I agree. Drugs and sport and drugs and football, performance-enhancing drugs and football, won't let you kick a ball better and they won't help you score goals. Give me speed, though. It'll let you last. But what they will do is aid recovery. What they will do is aid fitness and stamina and a game is won in 90 minutes. So... Stop being Absolutely. so fucking stupid, lads. You bunch of tits. It's hard, though, isn't it? There's so many, like... I don't know, Graham. There's so many idiots, I think, out there. Hashtag heel. Hashtag heel. Because, <laughs> well, you can't... You can't go on a rant like that and not mention rugby and steroids as well, though. Ah, yeah, of course. Jesus, yeah. I'm not like, <laughs> I mean, like, obviously... Obviously, rugby. Yeah. Obviously it's all rugby. sports. I don't think anyone. It's all sports except professional wrestling. End of story. And we'll end it there. Um, Weird, <laughs> <laughs> man. Even even fucking people who play chess are on fucking riddling and all sorts of concentration. Do you know what I mean? So like, lads, lads out there in the World Chess Championships, horsing the ADD medication into them. Do you know what I mean? Like, just making sure their brains on speed. Like, it's yeah. Look. I don't know. More than happy. I think we should. We've said it so many times in the past, but I think we really need to do like a drugs and sports special. Yeah, definitely. It's for another day, though. It is. It is. Mero, it has been a pleasure. Thanks again to the brilliant Ewan McKenna, and and do have a look at uh, his articles because he's his writing is just as good as his talking, lads. If not yeah, better, but his writing, it's, it's, I always find with his writing, fa- like, it's all factual, it's all with exactly. facts. Yeah, exactly, so. There's no, real, there's no real spin on it, like. No, no, it's, it, it's, he, he knows how to get his point across, and he puts it across in a way that is 
just, yep, there it is, lay it out. You can disagree with it, but if you disagree with it, you're probably wrong. Yeah. So, there you go. And check him out on Twitter as well, Ewan McKenna, M-A-C-K-E-N-N-A, for those of you who are looking for it. Um, Danny and Danjo Morty. Yep, you're at American Mania. We're at WTS Pod. You can search us on any podcast provider by just putting in WTS Pod. You can also check us on Twitter at WTS Pod, and you can check us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash WTS Pod Ireland. Correct, though. Deadly. Mero, it has been wonderful talking to you once again, and I look forward uh, to, to embracing you when I see you on Monday. With or without you. <laughs> Good man. It'll be a beautiful day. Until boy. next time. <laughs> Clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose. Ooh, sweet. Hashtag heal. <laughs> See you later.